Brought to you by HelloFresh. If you're like me and look at the Food Network and all these channels and watch all these gourmet meals and just lust after them, let's just be real, you're lusting after them. Guys, we have a solution for you. HelloFresh does all the shopping, the planning, and delivery. So all you have to do, guys, is put this meal together and they give you the instructions as well so you can create the gourmet meals in the luxury of your own home. So use the code SUCCESS30. SUCCESS30. Just go to HelloFresh.com and use that code SUCCESS30 to get $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. So make sure you check it out. Today's show is also brought to you by Organifi. Organifi is an organic superfood supplement line that makes quality, trusted nutrition convenient and accessible. Their most popular product, green juice, solves the problem of juicing your greens on the go. Just add it to water, to drink, and let your body soak up the benefits. Visit Organifi.com to learn more about an exciting offer for all our Secrets to Success podcast listeners. I wake up every single day, I am who I say I am, and I get what I get because I live in B-Smoke. Stop being gazelles, you're not average. You're not even good, you were born to be great. What's going on world? Welcome to another edition of the Secret to Success podcast. I'm your host, CJ. I'm not joined, as always, by the Bayesian sensation. He's back in Michigan. Um, but I am joined by Dr. Eric Thomas. Yeah. What's going on? Man, uh, surreal, man, just to be in this yeah. space right here. I remember sitting here when we did the first listening party. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just want to inspire everybody. You know, we had a dream. Even we still dream, man. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But then we got with people who execute on dreams. I think mm -hmm. that's important. A lot of people dream. But if you're going to make your dreams happen, you have to get with other people who are not talking about executing, but who are executing. So we've been in this space a couple of times, man, and put out some stuff that I've been hearing has changed people's lives. So, yeah, yeah. it just uh, feels good to be back, man. Yeah, and, and you're obviously down here in Atlanta, and so I told you I wanted to take an opportunity yeah. just because, you know, we talk on the podcast, and there's a lot of, you know, just back and forth, yeah. and we talk about topics yeah. and situations, and I feel like the people actually need to hear from you, yeah. and not in a speech where it's like, you know, you got a room full of people yeah. and, you know, all of those, but, like, let's really get to the root of some stuff. You know, it's 2018. We've been doing this thing for a while now, and I want to walk, you know, people through kind of our story, which I know they know some of our story, mm -hmm. but I think, you know, you and I, you know, our wives joke about our relationship all the time, but probably as close as any two humans could mm -hmm. be just in terms of building stuff from a from a personal side as well as a business side. We've been together every day, of course, you know, you from marrying, you know, my wife and I to, you know, being the godfather to my kids and, you know, just, you know, there's there's that relationship there. And so sometimes when I hear people interview you, I'm always like, man, I wish they would have asked this. Or I wish they would have asked that or, you know, the things that I want people to know about you and who you are and what you believe and those kind of things. And so I want to just kind of jump right in. And I got some notes in my phone, some stuff I've just been thinking about over the past few days. But there was a time when, you know, this wasn't cool, right? Like, you know, motivational speaking and, you know, that whole thing. And, you know, we actually met because my father saw you speaking yeah. before. Yeah. And, you know, he saw you and he came up to you and was like, hey, my son is on campus. You on campus. Have you met him? You know, you told him no. And my dad, long story short, called me like a million times like, you need to go see this guy Monday morning. And I came and saw you Monday morning, and people think, like, I'm being, you know, sarcastic or whatever, but, like, since that day, yeah. literally since that morning, we've been rocking every day mm -hmm. since. And 
you know, as we've grown and to wherever we are now, right? Like, you know, you are widely regarded as, you know, one of the best speakers in the world. And it's funny because people always ask me, like, what's your job, you know, with E? What do you do? And I say, E's job is to be the best speaker in the world. My job is to make sure everybody knows he's the best speaker in the world. And that's kind of what our relationship has been. But I want to take you back to when we were at Michigan State and you were telling, you know, Carl and I that it was time to leave that particular place. We had accomplished a lot. We were traveling. We were speaking at universities, teaching them how to do retention programs and things like that. And we left and we didn't have any money. I actually had a job offer from Western Michigan, and you told me, forget that, we're not doing that, we're gonna start this company. And by start a company, I mean just start an idea. We didn't even know exactly, I don't even know, we didn't, we, it'd be years before we probably even got the LLC. But you said we had to leave and do something different. And back then, you were always the reaffirming voice, like, even though we weren't making any money, you were like, yo, this is gonna happen. Did. I guess from a faith perspective, how did you know it was going to happen, one, and then were there times when maybe you thought it was going to happen a little quicker and it didn't, and you were worried about even me leaving or Carl leaving? Because you're talking about, I'm a grown man now, I'm 35. You, you've literally been a part of my maturing process, but I was 22 when we met. And there was a time when, you know, things were rough financially for us. Um, people were, you know, didn't believe in our dream. How did you know to stay steadfast to that? And how did you know we would get to not only this position, but whatever we have coming up next? Yeah, I'll be honest, there's no formula. Like, I'm not gonna lie and tell people, like, there's this formula, it's A squared plus B squared equals C squared. You know, but you just, you know, you the way we are wired as humans, you just know when something is right. You, you know what I'm saying? Just like you know when something's wrong. You have like, you got a baby. And when right. the, when your one-year-old does something wrong, she knows. Mm -hmm. Even though you don't have like a little plan on the wall that says right, wrong, she kind of feels it, right? And I felt it. It's funny, it kind of reminds me of, I remember when Didi and I went home for the summer and I had made up in my mind, I don't even know if I told Didi, because we were young, like, I want to marry you. Mm -hmm. We were 19 years old. Mm -hmm. But I had, you know, gone to college for a year, historically black, University in Alabama and man met a lot of young ladies, you know, beautiful, intelligent young ladies. And the more time I spent with these young ladies, see, I knew that Diddy was the one. You know what I'm saying? And it, it might sound crazy because most dudes is like, you know, like, yo, E, I don't get it. But it was right. like, yo, every young lady that I had an opportunity to sit down and talk to, the more I realized, like, yo, Diddy the one. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I remember going home. And, and a, a lady who was like a godmother to me said, you and Didi about to get married, aren't you? And I lied and hmm. told her like, no, we ain't about to get married. <laughs> right, like, right. I was like, for real, we 19 yeah. years old. What do you mean that we about to get married? Mm -hmm. But in the back of my mind, my heart was racing because I was like, yo, how mama can a near know? You know what I'm saying? Like, how mm -hmm. did she know? You know, but yeah. as I got older and I always think about that because me, me and her never talked about that conversation we had. But she knew, see, because... You can, you can just tell when it's love. You can just tell when it's right. You can tell when people are on one accord and there's this chemistry. Mm -hmm. And I just knew with the two of us initially, I just knew like, yo, this is it. Like I've been through, again, I've sat down, I've worked with other young people and I was like, yo, this is the one. Like we had a brotherhood, mm -hmm. you know, you, you were just as pumped up and excited as I was about it. So I was like, yo, this is it. And then, when, you know, when we did the trip in um, 
LA for me, that was like, yo, this is it. Like you was, you was like Brady coming in after Bledsoe. Cause mm -hmm. I ain't, I didn't choose you. Mm -hmm. I had another, I had Bledsoe. Right, you know right, what I'm right, saying? Right. Bledsoe got injured yep. <laughs> and boy, yeah. did he get injured. I'm talking about <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so you came in and when yeah. you came in, you came in like Tom Brady, like, yo, I'm a one. Mm -hmm. I got this. And I saw some of the stuff that you were doing and I was like, yo, we got it. So no, for me, I never, I never even knew when you would tell me stuff like you had a job or, you know, you was worried. I never knew you were worried when you were around me. I couldn't mm -hmm. tell. And I think I was so locked in, loaded, like, yo, I finally got the piece that I need mm -hmm. to take us to the promised land. So, man, I just felt it. It was just right. Your father introed us. Coach Bogan, you know, was your coach, was my guy since 92. He co-signed you. I was around your family, your mm -hmm. mom, you know, then I was fortunate to meet you at a time, and a lot of people don't know this, your grandma had just passed. Mm -hmm. You know, your grandma had, a, of course, an amazing Super relationship. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I knew, like, God brought me here. Like, that was like the hookup, because I was able to be there for you in a way, like your mom was struggling, so you had to be there for your mom, you know, but then you needed somebody to be there for you. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, man, this is... It's a match in heaven. God just gave me mm -hmm. the ultimate, you know, like hookup mm -hmm. in that I can prove to you that I'm not the average dude, that I'm not just talking, that I'm serious. So, no, bro, I, I, like I said, I can't A squared plus B squared, but I, I, I'm telling you, I knew it was right. Like, I, I, I just knew it. I just felt that, yo, we about, we, we about to murder the world. We, we, this is about to be a dynasty. Yeah, no, I got you. And you have, you know, been doing this work long before. Absolutely. And I always wonder, like, for myself, when I see, like, where you are now and, like, you know, we can't even really go to the airport and people are like, yo, E, you know what I'm saying? And, like, did you see this, though, even, like, back then? Like, you, I, I assumed you thought we would be able to feed our families. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I'm saying? Like, But it's one thing to be able to feed your families, um, you know, be able to maybe even do some trainings and, you know, speaking and whatever. But like to that point in my life, there had never been like a, I never really even thought about it being something that was like, you know, bigger than ourselves or bigger than, you know what I'm saying? The people we came in contact with live, but like, did you see it being this big a deal? Like, I, cause I didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't know what I thought, but I didn't see it so being like work, people yeah. stopping you at the yeah. airport the, the, and the work I crying did. and stuff. Like, yeah, the work I did, the, that I didn't, you know, and I don't know if I tell this story, but I was in Atlanta as a as a 21 year old, mm -hmm. and Joseph Lowry and the SLC sponsored my first major event. It was four weeks, and I'll never forget going into the office with Joseph Lowry. You gotta understand, it's a different generation, so mm -hmm. they may not really be up on Joseph Lowry, right? But when I was coming up, like Joseph Lowry was like one of Martin Luther King's. You know, two men. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you saw Martin Luther King, you know, doing his thing. You saw, you know, Joseph Lowry. And I remember sitting down with Joseph Lowry after I had done a revival, him and some of his guys, and he said out loud to them, yo, this kid remind me of a young Dr. Martin Luther King. Mm. And, bro, like I said, I don't talk about it, mm -hmm. but I was like, yo, did my man just say what I think he just said? Yeah. Like, did I remind him of a young Dr. Martin Luther King? So I didn't take that from the celebrity standpoint of Dr. Martin Luther King. I took it from the impact Dr. Martin Luther King. Like, yeah. you know, I'm about to have a major impact. Now, let's fast forward two, three years later, I come to Atlanta, go to the Dr. Martin Luther King Memorial. I'm in there praying. I don't tell nobody this. 
I mean, like the crew I was with, we was all in college. I didn't say nothing to nobody. But in the back of my spirit, I said, God, if this is real, like what I'm supposed to do, impact the world. Because I'm a high school dropout. I lived in a abandoned building, ate out of trash cans. I was just telling my church the other day, and people might laugh at me, but I'm 46, well, I'm 47, but I was 46 years old before I knew the difference between two and two. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. it took me a minute. Like, I, I, now yeah. I knew two TWO. Like, I always yeah, knew two dollar yeah. bill. Like, <laughs> I never had that one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. To the extent of, and you know, something is yeah. in proximity of. Like, for real, I struggled with that. You know, so I, I was just sitting there like, okay, if this is real, I'm supposed to impact the world. Let Coretta Scott come, uh, Scott King come in right now. If, if this is real, I ain't tell nobody. I've so never I'm, heard this story. I, so I'm in a circle with my boys holding my hand, holding their hand, and Coretta walks in. Wow. And comes and speaks to me. And then I tell her what I'm doing and if she could pray for us, and she prays for us. You know, and I've walked out of there like, so a lot of times when people say faith, I don't know if you call it faith or whatever, but I had some legitimate, yeah, yeah. serious encounters uh -huh. with some powerful people that told me, Look, yo, you gonna do this. And so for me, I've always moved, not, you know how you hear something? I dismissed it, not in a bad way, but I wasn't holding on to yeah. Coretta said, Dr. Mountain King, so it's just gonna happen. I see yeah. people do that. Right. And I do wanna, um, I wanna caution you just because you have a vision and a dream and somebody tell you something, yeah. it does not mean that you're not going to go through hell. Right. It doesn't mean that you don't have to grind to make it happen. So I didn't hear Coretta say, I'm going to pray for you and whatever, 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 and you just the next golden child. I was like, all this is great. Dismiss it and get to doing the work that they did so you can get the impact. So impact, yes, but the can you sign an autograph? Can I take a picture? I was just in the mall yesterday with our guy, William, mm -hmm. and guy walked up to me with his family. I said, bro, let me take a pic with you. Because he took some pics or whatever. His wife was like, you have changed my husband. Wow. We played in the hot. Like, this is a family. Yeah. A young, yeah. mid-30s family with a kid about eight, nine. And I said, man, let me take a picture. I want to keep this in my phone because I'm shocked that I'm inspiring you and that you would stop me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and want to take a picture with me and talk. You know, so no, definitely didn't get that part, but what we're doing in terms of impact, I always believed that we had the ability to yeah. change, not the world, yeah. maybe the where I come from, the kids yeah. from Detroit, Chicago. I never thought we would be changing people from you know all walks of life though. Yeah, so I wanna take it back real quick. So when Joseph Lowry said that to you, yeah. how big was that for your confidence in terms of like what you felt? Like somebody who was with Dr. Martin Luther King to tell you that at that age, how big was that in, in how important was that in your life in terms of like helping you to manifest? You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. after that, the, the Coretta thing happens, which yeah. is crazy. I can't believe you never yeah. told me that. Yeah. But like, well, it's not even something. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it's no, so far in the yeah. back of my yeah, mind. Yeah. I, you know, right, right. In 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 Atlanta, so that right. helps, That's right? What, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but like, how big was that? Like somebody actually speaking that life into you? Do you feel like you needed it at that time, or were you like you kind of felt it in your spirit already, and that was confirmation? No, let me say, I don't know that I needed it for confidence because I don't know that my confidence. I don't think my confidence really shot up into maybe like after Michigan State, the master's degree. It was something about mm -hmm. not doing well academically. I had that monkey on my back, yeah. you know. But what, what it did do for me was say, he knows what the work. Like, these dudes put in the work, marching, school, prison, 
Like, they put in the grind. So for me, I heard it was like, yo, E, if you put in the work that they put in, mm -hmm. you're going to be able to have the impact. So I felt like here's another human that was with Martin Luther King just recently. You feel me? Like, just like I'm talking about Coretta, he could tell me stories about Dr. Martin Luther King and Coretta. Yeah. And so I walked away knowing, yo, I'm in my lane. When you always talk about your USP, I think that's what it did for me. Not necessarily confidence as a speaker, mm -hmm. because I was more of a preacher in my mind then. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? But it did give me that, yo, this my lane. Like, my man just told me, I'm like MLK. So this is my, like, he coming to hear me yeah. speak, you know, uh, but he they did tease me. It was like, yo, you remind me of Martin Luther King, but you got that, you got that, Mar that Malcolm X, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Detroit, yeah, the yeah. Detroit Red, yeah, yeah, Rebel thing on you, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. You're not as, you know, you Martin was a little bit less, yeah, was a little bit more yeah, scholarly, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He wasn't all that, you know, and so, yeah. uh, but it was, it was great to hear that, and it just let me know, e, don't you ever do anything else but this, yeah, don't ever second guess yourself yeah. about. This calling, this is your calling. Yeah. This is what you was born to do. Don't go try to be an engineer. Because you know how they see, sometimes you'll do things, lawyer, you know, you'll do things that other people are doing that society deems as a, 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 a very noble profession. Mm -hmm. And you'll get caught up in that. Mm -hmm. Nope, after he talked, I was like, I'm sticking with speaking until the day I die. What's going on, fam? Your boy did not make it to the ATL, but I'm going to jump in the podcast anyway. I got the power to edit, so I'm hijacking. No, I'm just messing, y'all. Um, this segment is brought to you by HelloFresh. The cool thing about HelloFresh is that they deliver right to your door, guys. Insulated, recyclable packaging, and all the ingredients come pre-measured, so it makes it super, super easy. I don't care how much experience you got in the kitchen. Your boy is not the, the chef boy or D. But I got in there, man, and I did the sweet potato and uh, black bean taco, a vegetarian joint that they had. And I'm telling you guys, it was good. I actually got the cooks. My boy Jamie turned on to it. He and his family tried it out, and they loved it. Um, super simple, guys. They come with step-by-step -step instructions. So if you're trying to impress that young lady, that young man, I'm telling you all, this is the option for you. They also they offer a wide variety sorry, of chef-curated recipes that they change weekly, guys. If you get a chance, just download their app and go through you know, the different recipes in there. There's, there are three plans that they have you can choose from. There's a classic plan, which contains a variety of meats. Um, the veggie plan, of course, vegetarian options, as well as plant-based proteins. And then there's a family plan. Um, very, very quick and easy meals, guys. And honestly, this is the opportunity for you to try things that you never thought about and just enjoy eating outside of your comfort zone. It's the box delivery, guys. Everything comes frozen, packaged. You don't have to worry about anything. Your dinner just got a whole lot easier. So, again, check out HelloFresh.com, guys, and use the promo code SUCCESS30. That's SUCCESS30 to save $30 on your first week of HelloFresh. Quick side note, what do you... People call you a motivational speaker. Do you yeah. call yourself a motivational speaker? Like when people say, what do you do? Like, you know, you're on the plane yeah. and stuff and people are like, oh, what do you do for a living? Yeah. Besides the people who think we play basketball when we oh, travel internationally. Man, I'm so tired. I'm like, do y'all think he's Tiny Archibald. Tiny Archibald. I'm like, y'all like, <laughs> think he plays? Yeah. I'm like, what position does he play? They, um, I, I was at Isaiah Top. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, but what, what, do you consider, what do you consider yourself? Man, a change agent. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't like motivational speaker because I don't just go with the rah, 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 or just the empowerment. I feel like there's a character kind of soul aspect to what I do. So I just like to consider myself a, a change agent. I want to mm -hmm. say thought 
leader, but yeah. I don't know if I'm thinking that hard. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But definitely a change agent. Yeah, no, and I just wonder because people have so many different nicknames Absolutely. for you. You're a pastor, you yeah. this, you that. Um, I want to take it back to the faith thing because, you you know, you talked about, yo, I, I kind of knew. You know what I mean? And you, you kind of, I think, you know, maybe even Coretta walking into the room was confirmation for you. You know what I mean? And yeah. since I've known you, you've always gotten those things. Um, one of the things that, you know, I'm not sure if people understand because when we chose to build this brand, right, we had a very intentional conversation yeah. about kind of how we would build this brand. You are a Christian and have been a Christian since I've known you, mm -hmm. since before you got saved, I think 17, 16 yeah, years yes. old, um, and, you're, and you're a Christian. Now, we didn't build this as a Christian brand, right. if you will, right? Like, right. you know, when you went on TGIM, you weren't necessarily saying, you know, and Christ is coming back, you know what I mean? Like, but I think there were Christian principles that, you know, people who were, you know, deep enough in the word of the yeah. spirit could catch when yeah. you talk. Um, how big a role does faith play? We all know you get up at three o'clock and walk and talk with God. We talk about that all the time. And, you know, I know uh, that, you know, Christ is still very important in your life, but like from a spiritual perspective, what do you want people to know about you in particular, about your walk with Christ, your ability to have faith, and, you know, kind of how you use that even today? Because it's easy to, people say all the time, oh, you're doing well, it's easy to have faith. Everything will be fine, right? But you've used that in the past to get to where you are. And can you just be a little bit more deliberate and intentional about telling the people about your walk with Christ, like, daily, and, like, what that looks like for you? I think there's a lot of people who want to know that, and we don't really you know, uh, talk about it explicitly in TGIMs and conferences. Now, we do maybe at the marriage conferences a little bit more, and when you preach, obviously, there's a, you know, separation, but talk about that in two ways. One is, you know, why did we do the church and state separation? And then two, how that still, you know, your, your you know, spiritual beliefs still factor into your everyday life. Yeah, I'm a little different, man. I ain't grew up in church, so my relationship, you know, with God is... It's not religious, if you will. Mm -hmm. it, to me, it's more relational. And so this people might laugh when I say this, but to me, my relationship with God is private. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like a marriage. Like when you marry, you may have your family out in public, but a lot of what you and your wife do is private. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You, you, it, you know, it's some, I'm just old school. You know what I'm saying? I see some stuff on the internet now. I'm like, okay, that's a little a less money. private. It's a little less private. But where I come from, you know. Facebook Live. Yeah, right, right, right. It's just some stuff that yeah. people don't need to know about Didi because that's not your wife. Yep. There's some things that you don't need to hear, some things you don't need to see. So I'm not being fake. It's just my life is private. So, the, yeah, of course, you see my wife, you see my kids, but it's private. My relationship with God to me is private. Like, I don't want people looking at my religion. Uh, my relationship with God and looking at it as a religion and saying, well, he get up at this time and he do this and he do this. I want to do that. No, that's my, this is mine. Mm -hmm. It belongs to me. I'm not mm -hmm. interested. The only reason I, I publicly let people know about my relationship with Christ is because I just grew up in the air and, and we're going to get to this later, I'm sure. But when I look at our leadership in, in this day, I, bro, I'm not on Democrat. I'm not on Republican. There was a time when I was growing up that when you were a leader, it meant something. Mm -hmm. You didn't do what everybody else did. Right. And so I don't want people to try to be like me, but they have to understand, you don't want your preacher drunk. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Right. You don't want the dude you go to for spiritual help. Like, my marriage is crumbling. You know, my kids is off the charts. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm addicted to this substance, and I can't, I'm, I'm in love with another woman, and I want to stop. You can't, we can't do that at the bar. 
You feel me? Like we can't be taking shots. Right. So I'm not, I'm not tripping. I grew up in a home where my father who raised me had a bar. I would go get my man a pint of Hennessy for Father's Day. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? I grew up in that. I grew up in an environment where, you know, people was playing spades and bids with, you know, and poker yeah. and seven cards. I grew up in that. Mm -hmm. So all I want people to know is like, yo, if you're going to take this role of being a leader, yeah. I can't be flirting. I'm I, I'm not saying flirting is the greatest sin that ever happened to mankind. It's not. But you just don't want your leader flirting with your wife or with your, you know, with the uh, so the ladies of the church. You want your leader to lead, to be above you. Mm -hmm. And in this society, the thing I don't like is sometimes people think leadership is you're over me or you have a greater title than I do. I still see leadership as you have a responsibility right. to talk different. You shouldn't hear E.T. cussing you out. Mm -hmm. I was at the uh, salon the other day and this chick was going in at the salon. And everybody was like, yo, chill, E.T. here to pass. I said, don't, don't, bro, I come from where she come from. Don't get it twisted. I started having a conversation with her, and she didn't even know for 30, 40 minutes that I was a pastor. Right. But then she had gotten so raunchy, people was like, I was like, no, her talking raunchy and dirty, that's not the problem. Yeah. When E.T. started talking right. like that, now we got a problem yeah. because I'm supposed to be your leader. Yeah. I'm supposed to lead you. So I don't talk about it, and I've had so-called Christian people call me to the carpet uh, you don't do, it ain't enough G and TGIM. I'm like, what does that mean? It ain't enough yeah. God in it. You don't quote text. I said, boo, my stuff is alive. It's living. I don't have to put titles on stuff. Don't nobody care what you say. They care how you live. So people are looking at me with Didi. People are looking at how I treat Jalen and Jada. People are looking at how I treat them when they come to the event. Ain't nobody tripping on a title of Christian. If it was about Christianity, was that deep? Detroit would be a, bruh, Detroit would be saved. I grew up, it was a church on every corner, mm -hmm. but every pastor wasn't right. It was pastors that was pimps. It was pastors sleeping around. It was pastors taking advantage of uh, members and taking their money. Mm -hmm. So to me, bro, I'm not into that. Like, I don't want people to look at me as a Christian. I want people to look at me as authentic, as real, as this dude is about what he say he about. You feel me? Yeah. So I don't even like the term Christian because others got it. Mm -hmm. and you know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't trying to be funny, but other people had that title. And when you say Christian and I say Christian, it make us the same. And LeBron ain't the same as everybody that's playing right. on the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's a difference, you know? So uh, for me, man, I just, I, I, I don't necessarily want to walk around with the title, mm -hmm. but I want you to look at my life and say, like, he's my leader. And as a result of that, he is trying to live above me so that he can go to where I'm trying to go, see what it looked like, you know, figure it all out, and then he comes back and gives me the tools that I need to get to where I'm trying yeah. to get to. Yeah, and you you said something that, you know, and I'm trying to extract this information, you know, for myself as yeah. well, but you said your relationship was with God is private. Yeah. You don't keep a whole lot private, yeah. you know, that's not your swag, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just not, yeah. like, so I have to sometimes tape your mouth yeah. shut you know, when you know stuff that I don't want you to say, you yeah. know, company, business, yeah. whatever, you know, relationships or potential contracts, you, you're you just an open book. And so it's interesting to hear you say that that relationship is private because I never hear you say anything's really private. But there was a situation, you know, that, that happened probably last year for sure, but maybe six, seven, eight months ago. Um, and I don't know how many people know about it. Maybe they'll hear about it on the album or something, but we had a marriage conference. And it was the craziest thing because you and D, you, you and your wife, y'all probably only get into it once or twice a year. You know what I'm saying? But we all have Absolutely. those moments, right? Yeah. 
And one of them happened to come before a marriage conference. Mm -hmm. And so we were, first marriage conference was great, yeah. right? We, our wives was there, they was on the panel, it was beautiful. Um, and then UND had a, a disagreement mm -hmm. um, the day before we were supposed to go to, I believe, Dallas, and then the Houston yeah. marriage conferences were back to back. Mm -hmm. And she actually didn't come to those conferences. And that was the one time I was like, he ain't gonna say nothing. We, now mind you, she had a flight. Right. She was supposed to be at the conference the whole nine. And so me and Candace are on the plane with just you. And it's the three of us. And we talked about it that night. And I, of course I'm in charge of the brand. Right. Um, and so in my mind, I'm going, okay, this don't look right. You know what I'm saying? Like we can't tell people that E and D, like Didi ain't here cause right. of, maybe we yeah. could blame the MS. Absolutely. You know, maybe we could do, you know, a lot of different things and you said, I said, what are you going to talk about at the marriage conference? And I, for once, I thought, okay, he's going to hold back mm -hmm. or he's going to shade the truth just a little bit or maybe just talk about marriage in general. But you got there and you let the people know explicitly she wasn't here because y'all had a disagreement mm -hmm. the night before. She's not here. So at the marriage conference, it's one thing if it's stay ready oh, or take control, one of the other events we do where people not necessarily checking for your wife anyway, mm -hmm. but at the marriage conference, you you kind of let that cat out the bag and you told the people, hey, this is what it is. And I wonder, was that hard for you, one? And then two, why did you choose to share that information? And then how are you so comfortable being so public about that type of information that, I mean, I would, I, you know, I'm still working on myself. I would have been embarrassed. Right. I'd have been, I'd have tried to make my wife come. You didn't do any of those things. You told the people exactly what it was. Why? Yeah, I feel like, yo, if you're going to help people, you got to help people. You know, so I just want to say this. I see a lot of people doing, um, you know, speaking about how to become successful, you know, how to have a successful marriage. They got these podcasts, you know, and these different things they do. And it's like, oh, why are you doing it if you're not going to really do it? Like, mm -hmm. what are you doing it for if you're not going to tell the truth? And so for me, I want to show people what a healthy relationship looks like. So when people look at Didi and I, they're like, man, y'all been married, you know, going on 28 years this yeah. year, been together, you know, since y'all was teenagers. You know, they look at us and say, man, y'all blessed. This is like, this is what I ascribe mm -hmm. to. So what I have to do is show you, like, bro, you got it twisted. You think whole is perfect, and it's not. Like, you think happy is y'all going to agree on everything, and it's not. Mm -hmm. So if I sell you that lie, when you get into it, you're going to say, what would E do? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, E wouldn't yeah. argue with his wife. <laughs> <laughs> you got it twisted. Yeah. E, e is going to argue with his wife. You yep. feel me? And E had to get baptized last year because yeah. E realized I did have a problem. Mm -hmm. You And that was tough. The baptism was harder than telling it because for me, I'm a pastor. You baptize people. You don't get baptized. Yeah. You feel me? And to get baptized mean you saying to God there was an area that you hadn't given to him and now you got to go backtrack and give it to them. So that, mm -hmm. so that was a challenge, you know, but I felt like why, why should these people be here and pay all this money mm -hmm. and get something fake and phony? They mm -hmm. need to know the truth, you know, and the truth of the matter is we did get into it. Mm -hmm. The truth of the matter is I'm hurt that we got into it. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm hurt that we had a point in our marriage after all these years where you still so mad that we can't resolve it and get on a plane and go work it out. But I was grateful for my wife 
Because Diddy was like, yo, you don't want me to go in the state. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you don't want me speaking right, at right. no conference like this right. because I'm going to have to go ahead and go with it. Yeah. And Diddy, like, I got MS. I can't always control my right, mind and my right. mouth don't always, yeah. you know. So I just wanted to be transparent with the people because you can't empower people if you're not giving them the truth. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are so worried about their image. Yeah. I don't got no image. Right. My wife know who I am for real. So why am I worried about people who I don't even know, strangers, or even people I do know knowing the truth about me? So, no, I wanted people to understand. You've seen me cry before. You know what I'm saying? I want people to know, like, yo, I have feelings. I hurt. I am not a robot. The dude mm -hmm. that you see on YouTube, that's a 10-minute, six-minute video somebody did. Yeah. And, and the video is sweeter than what it really was because they didn't put some music on it. They didn't put some B-roll to it. Yeah. They took out my, 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 my stuttering, my coughing. That ain't E. That's a video. That's not who I am. That's some uh, superhero dude. I am a real dude that bleed like you do. I make mistakes like you do. I, I, I fail like you do. The only difference between me and some of the people that are listening, I get back up. And I don't let that stop me from saying, yo, this needs to be fixed. And when I got home, I fixed it, had to talk with God, had to talk with my wife. You know it. I got baptized. And if you talk to Didi right now or and my children, that combative spirit, when you take me somewhere where I feel like, and I had to, I didn't realize what it was, but the reality was, I left home at 16 years old. My mom married when I was, I think I was five years old, and I found out it wasn't my biological father. And I always told my mom, I felt like you didn't give, you control my life. Like you didn't give me some, like that was your husband, not my father. You tried to make it like we was this perfect family and you never told me the truth about who he was mm -hmm. because I feel like you was embarrassed that you got pregnant at 17 years old and you try to make it like we was the Huxtables and you didn't tell me the truth. And so I just felt like, yo, you trying to control my life. Like I, this is my life. I want decisions. I want to be able to make decisions. And when I left home, that was something that I never dealt with. And, and God was showing me like, yo, when it comes to you thinking people trying to take control of you, they trying to like make decisions for you and they not letting you, that's that's the one area that you have not overcome. Mm -hmm. And so there are times when my wife, I feel like, yo, you trying to control me. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you trying to gorilla me, like you a gorilla and you trying to gorilla me. Like I'm not having it. And, and so we going back and back and God's like, yo, you gotta let that go. And so for me, that blow up showed me you don't have control of that area and you need to get control of it. Yeah, and that's one of the things when I was talking to you as we were going through the process, you know, you talked about, like, I wouldn't say you had an anger issue, but when you got to that point, Absolutely. you said it. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm on 10. Oh, I'm jumping off on police. Yeah, I, yeah. I should have been a long time ago. They should have been marching for me. With, yeah. the, uh, with the candles and the night yeah. visual. Like, cause I, you see me, see, yeah. I'm jumping out on the cop. Like, right. bro, don't talk to me like that. So right. it was definitely, like you said, it didn't happen every month. Right, right, but right. once a year, cop may say something to me I thought was out of line and I'm jumping out. He said, sir, get back in the car. I'm like, no, I ain't get back in nothing. I'm grown. You got a badge. You a grown man. I'm a grown man. Don't talk to me like that. And I did. Yeah, yeah, I was, I, I, I caught some grace yeah. on a couple hookups. Yeah, no, and, and, and it's crazy because you do have these, you know, and I, obviously you said you're not perfect yeah. and you're working on so many areas, but like, yo, you do have mastery over so many yeah. areas and discipline yeah. over so many things, and that's what I kind of want to talk about. It was this one area, and yet 
you still felt the need to address that, yeah. whereas like any other human would have been like, now you know I'm, I ain't cheating. Yeah. I'm doing everything with integrity. I'm running the church. I'm speaking all over the world. I'm making good money for my family. I'm taking care of other people. I'm philanthropic. I'm all of these things. I got this one area, and yet you still felt like God was challenging you in that one area to go work on that one thing. When most people would say, let me give myself a pass for this one area because I got all these other things right. taken care of. You right. know what I'm saying? So right. it's a situation where... I would think you would want to let that go or maybe let it ride, but you still chose to address it in a crazy way. So what was that process of still addressing that one thing? Well, you know, for me, see, and, um, you know, I'm old school. So, um, you know, David Banner, you know what I'm saying? I'm old school. Uh, I've been watching on Antenna TV, The Hulk. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? He was just cool, mild-mannered dude. You know what I'm saying? Bruce Banner. Yeah, Bruce Banner. I said David, David Banner. Banner. Yeah. David was the rapper. Yeah. Uh, and so, man, I promise you, man, I would just lose it like him turn green and just, and I would see people watch me in that state. Mm -hmm. And 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 it, they would be like, whoa, like, who is this dude? And it was, it was embarrassing and it was shameful. Not that I wasn't perfect, but that they would be taken by it and just be like, yo, I don't even like, yo, E on that. It would be worse than maybe them catching me smoking a cigarette or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, whoa, eat, drink. Like, they was like, whoa. And so my wife would, you know, it would hurt my wife because she like, yo, you so not that dude. Mm -hmm. And then you just go off. And then we going at it and you going off on me. Like I said, I never cussed her out or put my hands on her, but it's extreme to have your husband opening up doors, spoiling you, and then y'all get into it. And then I'm like raising my voice, my kids looking like, what in the... What's happening here? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, yo, E is such an extreme. And I was on that for a minute, like, yo, why y'all tripping? I'm doing this, this, and that, and y'all tripping because I'm I'm, I'm not going to let you back me up or I'm not going to not, you know what I'm saying? And I look, I had an out-of-body experience because my daughter, I'm going to be real, my daughter was the one that made me change because she's like this young girl. And I'm like, yo, her, she going to be like, when she get into a marriage, like, this normal. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Fussing and fighting is normal. And I was like, E, you got to let it go. You know what I'm saying? So that's what it was, see, just this extreme of you are this dude, happy, go lucky. Like, it'd be one thing if I was even mild-mannered and then went off. I'm on the other extreme, yeah. you know, uh, like you said, Bruce Banner, I'm on this, you know, if you ever saw the movie or the cartoon, the, um, the sitcom, it's like he's a small, mild-mannered kind of dude, just, hey, how you doing, go lucky, and then just something happened. You don't even know yeah. what it is, but somebody's yeah. eyes turned a different color than before. You know it, my man out his shirt, and he blew her. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so for me, it was like, yo, E, this is an extreme. You need to get it. it see, it's so extreme that something has to be wrong. Mm. This can't be natural. Right. And again, I think I had had, when I left home, I was so angry that there were some things about me that I, or situations I just wanted to suppress. Mm -hmm. And I had to go back and ask myself, why are you like that in my three o'clock in the morning? And it came to me. You have not gotten over the fact that your mom made some decisions for you that you felt like she did not give you a choice in the matter. And I'm not saying it's the truth. Mm -hmm. I'm just telling you what my perspective was, yeah, how I saw my lens as a child. I didn't see it as mom's putting us in a healthy environment. Old dude getting up every day and going right. to work and right. looking out. I have somebody in my, nope, I was, I cut my man off emotionally and was like, yo, you, you might be her husband, but I promise you, I'm not about to accept you as my father. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So in, in essence, and I, and I look back and I feel so sorry. I apologize to him whenever I feel the, you know, like this is a chance to do it. But I'm like, you dead to me. 
You know what I'm saying? You dead to me. You're not my father. Don't touch me. Don't say nothing to me. And yep, I got to be here with you physically, but emotionally. Don't ever think that for one minute I'm going to love you and we're going to have that father-son hookup. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I look back in hindsight and just like, yo, E, that was the worst thing you could have ever done. But I was immature and that's where I was when I was 12, 13, 14 years so old. So do you feel like it's behind you now? Oh, absolutely. Me and the old dude... You know what not, I'm saying? Not, not that, the, the anger. Oh, like, no do, questions do asked. Like you, you, no questions asked. You couldn't get to that point anymore? Yeah, no question. Well, I'm not going to say no more. You just, I just told you. No, I, I mean, I'm just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm just yeah, what yeah. I'm saying. But do you feel I like. I feel like I'm crazy aware of the it. trigger. Yeah. I know the trigger now. And so when, when I didn't know the trigger before. It just was. I didn't know. Now I know when the police officer did what he did, the trigger was. You're trying to take my, I'm a grown, I have liberty, mm -hmm. I have rights, and you're trying, you're trying to strip me of my rights, and I'll die before I let you strip me of my rights. I realized that, so when my man coming crazy, I'm like, yo, E, don't even, it's not even worth it. Even if he thinks, because he got a badge, that he can disrespect you in front of your family, like, E, don't even take it there. You got to go home with them. Mm -hmm. You love them. Let it ride. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's making him aware of, I, I control it's not worth yeah. going at it and yeah. then really probably losing my control. Well, so let me ask you this then. How do you balance having, you know, that edge still yeah. and still being a leader? Because leadership is tough. Oh, it is. Like, yo, people challenge you. Yeah. People try you all yeah. the time. How do you balance not being a pushover? Because some people may not know when we first hooked up and you were the you know, leader and stuff yeah. like that, I would notice that you never wanted to have conflict. Yeah. Like you never, like you would push those things away. And I don't know if that's because you felt like you were going to go Bruce Banner or what oh, no the deal asked. was, yeah. but you would be like, everybody happy, everybody cool. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't have a, you know what I'm saying? I, I, it was either I blow up or I'm calm. And yeah. I didn't know that you can go off without having to go off. You can mm -hmm. go off without losing your control. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can be, I've seen you, you know, I've seen other uh, African-American males that I extremely look up to, you know, and see them as powerful men, but also see them as, and and, and I know y'all may not want me to call y'all this, but teddy bears, mm -hmm. you know, meaning that y'all can be as soft, you know, and gentle as possible, and y'all only bring that side out when it's necessary. Right. You feel me? Yep. And, and then what I like about y'all, y'all have the ability, once you do it, to come back and say, yo, it ain't personal. Mm -hmm. I had to use the the the, 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 the three iron. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I don't always come out with the three yeah. iron. You know what I'm saying? But I yeah. had to come out and with it. And it's crazy you say that, because I, you know, I grew up in a household where my dad whooped my butt yeah. when I did something dumb. Yeah. And then hugged me and kissed me and told me he loved me and took me for ice cream when something went well. So it was that that great balance yeah. between love and yeah. correction. Yeah. And so it was funny because when me and you first, you know, start doing our thing, we would have disagreements mm -hmm. or arguments. And it's like, yo, you would be mad for like an extended period of time. Yeah. And I never had that because I grew up with my dad. It's like, yo, you got your butt yeah. whooped. You just it's knew okay. you messed up. Y'all yeah. both, hey, yeah. you both was mad for a minute. And yeah. it's like, all right, cool, let's move on. Yeah. You still my dad. I'm still your son. Let's yeah. move forward. And there were times when, like, me and you would get into it or have an argument or disagreement, and then I hit you up, and I'm like, I could still tell you had that edge, and I'm like, yo, what's wrong? Yeah. And you still had that, and you've come out of that now, and you've understand how to, you know, process that in a, but I had to see it, in a, though. In a healthy because way. I didn't see it. My grandma would go an extended time without talking to her children when they got into it. Me and my mom went months, 
you know, with an estranged relationship. Right. So, I, you know, if you can get mad at your mom or your ma mom can get mad at you or you are used to seeing your family get angry and see your aunts not talk for months and years, like, yo, I'm just going to be honest with you. I thought that's how it was done. Mm -hmm. I thought that's how you do it. You, yeah. get, you get upset. I, I, I can't talk to you right now. <laughs> right, right. I'm mad. I didn't know that you could say, let's do lunch. Let's do lunch. You know what I'm saying? Right yeah. afterwards. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And not uh, 10, 9, 8. Mm -hmm. You ain't got to even do all of that. It's not personal. We dealt with some stuff that we didn't agree on. We didn't agree on it. Yeah. But we can agree to disagree and move on. And I didn't, I never, I didn't see that. My mom is a great person. But when it came to conflict resolution, I ain't see my mom on that. I saw mm -hmm. my mom on not talking for a while. And she didn't say she wasn't talking to people. I just knew we weren't going to the house. I didn't see my aunt for a couple weeks or a couple months. So I knew my mom wasn't dealing with her. So I picked up those same uh, habits. And my mom, if you noticed, my mom is coming to church talking about how at her age, 60 something, she's not realizing that that's not the best way to do it, but that's what she learned. Yeah, so since we, you know, you know, hooked up, we've always, been on like the, the character development right. thing. That's always been a big thing to you. And right. I know some of our regular podcast listeners, I know we probably got a lot of people now who are not part of the regular podcast, you know, who are watching this interview. And they, they may not know, but the first thing you told me um, when we decided to take this journey was, and it's so funny because we never even talked about it. Yeah. You were like, yo, you got to stop having sex. And I was like, okay. What I'm like, first of all, how you know what I'm doing? Like right. we, you know, we were we were close, like on the right. business tip, working together. We was going to the youth prison systems, all of that. And you were like, yo, you gotta stop having sex. And I'm like, wait, why did this dude just tell me to? And you were like, yo, we going somewhere. And you and like you 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 kind of ran through like a list of men who got caught up in that area. You were like, yo, look at this guy. He did everything right, and boom, this caught him. This caught him. This caught him. This caught him. And it's crazy now for me because obviously anybody who watched the news or you look around now, you see the sexual assault, you see the, the, the misconduct that's going on, the mistreatment of women and all of that. And you talked about it. We were going the road. You, you would like lay the ground rules every time. Like, I don't want you flirting with nobody. Don't grab somebody's hand up. Don't hug somebody for too long. Like, you have always been so strict on that particular piece. And now that all this stuff is coming out to the light, now we knew it was there, but you see, you know, professionals, I mean, just having their entire career just taken down and their integrity stripped and they'll never work in the business again. You see people just flagrantly just, you know, blowing their whole career, just everything, embarrassing their families. I, and now that I'm here and we seeing all this come out, I'm like, man, did he know back then that, like, this was coming? Like, did you, was it just something you believed? Did you, like, how did you... I saw like the movie Troy. That. I right. saw the movie Troy. Right, you know right, 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 right. Troy, bro. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? My man, I mean, their whole kingdom got shut yeah. down because my man, you know, quote yeah. unquote, fell in love, lust, whatever you want to call it, with homegirl. And, it, it, you know, I've just noticed there's three things that have always men have struggled with. Mm -hmm. And my thing was, I want to be successful for a long period. I'd rather be like, successful moderately over a long period of time that had these high highs and low lows. Mm -hmm. Like I lost a lot. I came from a family. My grandma, you know, raised her babies in the projects. Mm -hmm. And then my aunts was in the projects. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I grew up, no disrespect to my family, but I grew up seeing poverty and people losing, you know, people not getting married, having kids out of wedlock. My aunt got shot by her. I don't know if it was her husband or man. I don't know who it was, but somebody put something in her drink. She ended up, you know, 
her mind being losing her mind from it. You know, I remember the police coming to her house, her and her man fighting like physically. I've seen other aunts get uh, in domestic uh, 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 violence abuse. I, just bro, I've seen a lot, and I just was like, yo, I don't want that no more. Mm -hmm. And so, what are the things that stop men from being successful? And I saw it. Females was one. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yo, it's just seemed like, and still, undefeated heavyweight yeah, champion yeah, of the yeah. world. Yeah. I'm just like, yo, it just seemed like, bros, and my father had multiple kids by multiple women. Yeah. You know, I got a sister I found out, you know, when I was older that I had that's only a few months younger than me. You know what I'm saying? She might be nine months. Like, I was just like, yo, bruh, I'm not disrespecting my family. Everybody got to go through their whatever. But I was like, yo, I don't want that life no more. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to lose. So I started looking at power, egos, a lot of dudes fail because of their ego. You know, they 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 can't be the two man. They can't serve nobody else. You know, uh, and then money. You know, what I'm saying I just saw just people would just get money. Like I grew up in Motown, so these young dudes would come great uh, musicians and end up smoking crack or cocaine and just losing their mind. Mm -hmm. You look at Marvin Gaye. You know, Al Al Green. You know the life that he had. Sam Cooke. Like some of the most talented people, Michael Jackson even, Whitney Houston. And I just started realizing like, yo, if you don't deal with your demons, they ain't going nowhere. They not gonna stay in the closet. Right. And so I was like, yo, E, you gotta discipline yourself. I started looking at Mother Teresa, um, Gandhi. And I was like, yo, bro, Gandhi would go fast from sex. And he was married. He would fast from talking. You know, I just started watching these great people. And was like, yo, these people fast and not about fasting, like that's not the piece, but they were very disciplined people mm -hmm. and they would not allow their exterior world to dominate or destroy their internal world. I just like, yo, I want to get to a place where I can control me. My family members have grown. I lost an uncle who cirrhosis of the liver, brilliant man, but just drinking, drinking, drinking. And I was like, yo, I do not want to. My father was a substance abuser for years. I was like, yo, I don't want a life where something else is controlling me. Mm -hmm. You know, like for real, when I left home and said, I don't want to be controlled no more. Like I meant that. Like I don't want nothing to control me but me. And so I got to put myself under extreme discipline to make sure I'm free. So when people see me, you get up at three, you don't drink, you don't smoke. I'm not doing that because I think I'm better than nobody else or I think you're going to go to hell because you had a drink. I just want, I want to control, I want freedom. And for me, disciplining myself means more freedom. And the less I you discipline yourself, people who, uh, I, I told my son the other day, I was like, yo, son, I don't not want you to have fun. I just seen a history of people who just have fun, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Halloween, New Year. Yeah. They're the people who Thursday up, night, oh, Friday night. Oh man, every night. Yeah. They're the people who end up in their 20s having a great deal of fun, but in their 40s and 50s, they working for somebody, um, um, and I'm not saying nothing wrong with cleaning toilets, but they doing something they don't want to do yeah. for the rest of their life, and they can't retire because yeah. they played so much. Yeah. You know, so for me, I just look at Venus and Serena, Michael Jackson, when he used to, like, five and six, just dancing all night. I just think the more a man discipline himself, the greater, it doesn't mean it's going to happen, but the greater the probability that he has this sense of freedom. And I will say this. The one thing I enjoy is that now where I am, this don't mean I'm when you're 20, you're 30, you're 40. I never knew I would be who I am. But I'm grateful that I disciplined myself the way I did because some of the issues I could have as one of the top motivational speakers in the world, I don't have those issues. And let me tell you something. 
I'm around more temptation now than I have ever been in my life. Of course. And we're not just talking about women. We're talking about opportunities. We're talking about power. We're talking about, bro, I, I, I got a call, and I won't say names because I know, you know how you are, but I got a call this week from two or three people that top in their industries. And it's just like, yo, the people I coach and the people I, so I'm grateful that I'm disciplined because I could see if I wasn't disciplined with the, with the exposure that I have around the world, whew, I could I could get myself in a lot of trouble right now if I wasn't. Is it something? Let me ask you this. So is it something now that is just routine, the discipline, or do you still have to have it in your and conscious I'm mind? I'm still a man every yeah. day. Yeah. I got to wake up in the morning. I yeah. am not past still being a man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I just want to make that clear. Yeah, no, you, no. you feel me? Like, I'm not robot mm-hmm. where I've, I, I get up every day, and now I've gotten to a point where uh, women are not attracted to me. Where certain personalities, I'm not at, I'm not there, bro. I'm not there where I see chicken and don't want to eat fried chicken. Right. I'm not there. I still like the way chicken tastes. Yeah. I'm not. I don't have a vegan heart. Right, you feel right, what I'm right, saying? Right, right. I don't have a vegan mindset. Yeah. I just know that my wife got MS and I want to help her out. Yeah. But I don't. I don't see chicken and go, that's disgusting. Right. They're killing a some chicken was yeah. murdered. We should not kill chicken. Yeah. I'm not on that. I'm on. My wife shouldn't be eating fried food yeah. and she don't eat rotisserie chicken, you know. So, no, I have to get up every day and it's a battle every single day to do right. So if you see E.T. cut somebody out on the street level, you know that I'm human and I had a bad day. But I figure if I get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and get through this routine, the probability of me not going off is greater. But it don't yeah. mean I'm not going to have a bad day. It just means if I follow my routine the probability of me having a good day is better. Yeah, and so talk to, you know, your supporters who are listening who, you know, may be battling a demon themselves. Yeah. You know, maybe they got some things that got yeah. a hold of them and they're not sure how to, you know, drag those things out of the closet, like you said, and really slay that dragon. Like, is it in the routine that you think, you know, you can slay that dragon? Because these people, man, you talk about yeah, no. drinking, you know, issues, sexual issues, yeah. you know, those things that, you know, we know we shouldn't be doing, but it's yeah. just got a hold of us that, Yo, for some people, they've just given up. They like, yo, this thing got a hold of me. Yeah. I'ma just try to live my best life with it. Uh, whereas you, you know, really talk about trying to destroy that thing. I like, just hate losing, bro. Yeah. I just hate losing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I think you said it on the podcast before. I hate losing more than I like winning. Mm-hmm. I, I'm saying winning don't stick with me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I get a check. I don't even remember how much money I made in a month. Let an opportunity fail because somebody on the squad did something they want. Right, bro, right. bro, I'm talking about I'm, I'm hurt. I'm hurt yeah. for months. I, yeah. I'm, it's hard to see their face yeah. for months because <laughs> they didn't mess up on the opportunity. Yeah. You know, so I just hate losing. Mm-hmm. And I think you got to get to a place where I just don't, again, I don't say this to be disrespectful because I know my father is listening. I just can't see myself having kids out there that I don't have a relationship with. Mm-hmm. I just can't lose, bro. Yeah. I just can't see getting a divorce. And I know it's possible and it's yeah. real. I just hate losing, bro. I just wouldn't want some chick walking the face of the earth and saying it just didn't work out. He a scum. He was whack. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just hate losing. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, it's I can't let that demon beat me. Right. And I can't let that demon in my life, drinking, smoking, whatever it is, dominate me from traveling the world, making money. Mm-hmm. I look at cats, bro, who have gone to the league making millions and got three or four kids, and they ain't making nothing because they cashing somebody out $150,000, $200,000 a month. 
because they slept with him three or four times. I can't, bro, I can't lose like that. I can't get nobody my bread. I promise you. This is my bread. I earned it. My wife get to spend it. She won't spend on my kids, but I just can't let something drag me down and have control of me. So it's not about being super spiritual. It's not about, you know, uh, being super routine. I just have an insatiable desire for winning, bro. I'm like Kobe when he would lose and go in the in the in the in the um in the other team's arena and be practicing. Like that's what I'm on. And so mm -hmm. I just think a lot of people who suffer and see, they not tired of losing yet, bro. Some well, kind of Let me way. ask you this. How do you define winning for yourself? If you look at a Kobe, winning is you got 82 games in the season, you got the uh playoffs and then you got the championship. Like for you and other people who are listening, how do we define winning in our lives? Like, you know, you, 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 you got financial goals, you got, you know, marriage goals. Like, but like, what do you see for yourself? Like, what do you call a win? Like, so what, what? first, stop the bleeding. Yeah. That's the first win for me. Stop the bleeding. Mm -hmm. I married my wife. I made a commitment. A lot of men in my family didn't make commitment to women. Stop the bleeding. Two, they didn't finish school. Some of them didn't go to high school. Stop. My grandma, I don't know how many. My grandma had 14 kids. I haven't talked to my mom to be on the safe side, but maybe two or three graduated from high school out of the 14, and I'll come back and do another podcast if I'm wrong, but I know it's not five of 14. I went to school and got a GED, then went and got a four-year degree. Just stop the bleeding first. For me, it's not about um, being this millionaire, whatever. I stopped the bleeding. I married somebody, made a commitment to that person, had kids with that person, raised my kids. I was in the hospital for both of them. Both of them was born, I wasn't on the road. That's winning to me. Mm -hmm. I've been present their whole life. I tell my son all the time, Yo, you could be mad at me for whipping you and disciplining you, but you'll never say I wasn't there for you. I made every game. My daughter played basketball. I made every game when she was in middle school. So for me, winning is, I don't want to make them, I don't, I don't want to keep the mistakes of the past just going. I want to stop that. And then cherry on the top is you get a master's degree. You, you have a successful company. I could have worked for doggone Ford Motor Company on the plant and still saw myself as successful. Like, I don't see myself successful because I travel the world. That's not, I don't see that, but making a commitment to Didi, making a commitment to the kid, making a commitment to the church. I had to be in Atlanta Saturday night for an event. I still preached and drove and I had 45 minutes to get to the airport if I got there on time. Mm -hmm. Most pastors could have been like, forget that. I'm just going to go to Atlanta, let somebody else do it. I am present. I'm there for my church. I'm there for this company. To me, that's what success is. As a man saying you're going to do something and doing it. Don't get caught up on the Mercedes or the big house or the whatever. If you had that, that's cool. But as a man, see, it's contributing. It's being in a community with another group of men and you have something to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. It's saying you're going to do something and doing what you say. Son, I'm going to pick you up from school. Then pick him up from school. Yeah. How many men do we know to say, my father never came to pick? When I hear you see talk, you always talk about how your father was at everybody game, and then when your brothers and you had the same time game, he was struggling because he didn't know which one to go to. That's a man. That's manhood. Mm -hmm. Manhood ain't no Rolls Royce. Manhood is being at your son's games, taking them out to get ice cream after, being there for their mama. Not mm -hmm. perfect, but being there for their mom. So to me, man, that's what success it looks like it's not money and it's not stuff. Yeah. Do you feel added pressure now because of where we are? Because before you used to do it and it might have been, you know, a couple people looking. Right. Now, you know, the world is watching. You know what I mean? People are like, you know, we, we just flipped on the live and you got 3,000 right. people looking at you every move. You know what I'm saying? Like, is it hard for you or, or is it not harder, but is it 
more um, challenging for you to keep that, or do you feel the need to keep that persona even greater now because there are eyes on the brand and on you and people waiting for you to make a mistake or people looking to see, like, is this real? Like, I remember when Josh came on, he was like, you know, I would see E on the videos. And he said, once I met him, though, I was like, oh, okay, it all makes sense. It comes together. Do you feel the need now when, you know, with, with, with your life and with your discipline and your routine and your waking up and the way you treat your kids and your wife, like, do you, does it feel like any added no, pressure? No, if it's... It's real, bro. Mm -hmm. You you don't you don't have to you have and I used to be a liar when I was a kid. You gotta remember lies. You don't have to remember truth. So for me, it's real. Like this is who I am. Y'all know this is how I act. Like I said, I'm about to go to the thing and tell you, me and my girl just got into it. Like I don't have to be nothing for nobody. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna die myself authentic. Now I will say this, you know, when we were talking, um, you know, when we first got here, you know, we we were um we were mentioning you know, this whole thing about work. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I'm saying? And we talked about you can pay to get people to work, but you can't pay for people to be responsible. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? For whatever reason, you yeah. can't pay for responsibility, right? right? Um, and so for me, bro, that's probably the bigger piece. I don't feel pressure, but the responsibility I feel is greater. You know what I'm saying? To try to get to as many schools as I can. You heard me, me, you, and Kurt. We were just in here talking about for real. All the company, like, we can't get people to do this. People do that. that. That's the hard part, you know, is the finding the authentic, the real. You know what I'm saying? And once you get there, we already know. Once you get real, see, it just, everybody's calling to do a voiceover or to come speak. Because real is hard to get, see? Mm -hmm. Real is hard. So I feel sorry for fake people. You, 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 the one, the one you playing games on, um, internet trying to fake it like that's your car, that's your house, or that's your life. I feel sorry for them, mm -hmm. but I, I'm good because this is my life. I don't owe anybody an explanation because I'm not fake. I don't have to tell nobody I'm sorry because I'm not doing nothing shady. So no, but the responsibility that I feel is great, man, because there are a lot of people counting on me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For whatever, whatever you put out, you know what I'm saying? All the mixtapes and stuff you put out, people are listening to that stuff. And they're living by it. So I do feel a pressure of, E, you need new content in 2018. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to pray at 2 o'clock in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you need to read books more. Like, I don't know what you need to do, but you can't keep giving them what you gave them before. So that part, I do feel the weight of the responsibility, but I don't feel the weight of, you know, that kind of peer pressure stuff. Yeah, and, and we talked about relationships. We talked about marriage. You briefly spoke on money. We live in America. Mm -hmm. um, Things cost. Mm -hmm. Everything costs, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, uh, my kids' daycare. You know, you want to go out to the movies, a new car, a new house. And so many people, especially, you know, going into this new year, have financial goals and things they want to see for themselves and, you know, um, financial stresses, right? Like, people are stressed out over money. You know, we, we talk about it all the time. People, you know, when you don't have enough to provide or if there's somebody listening and they're, you know, they just got fired from their job or the economy's crazy, those kind of things. Um, how how important is money to you? Like, we, we don't talk, me and you definitely yeah. don't talk a lot about money. We don't sit there and just have conversations. Of, oh, is we gonna make this and we're gonna do that? We, like, we, we just, we kinda just go to work, right? And so, um, I'm curious to, to people listening, to you first and then what you, you know, advice you would have for other people, but how often does money come into your mind? I think, can't remember the study, but it says like the average person thinks about their finances like, you know, 10, 15 times a day. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. if you're doing that on a reg and your finances aren't great, 
you know, mm-hmm. that can be a, a source of stress. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so how, how big of a role does money play in your life? Yeah. How much of it, you know, how much of it is still like present in your mind? Like, man, I got to. I don't look at. OK, so I, I'm, you always talk about reverse engineer. So I don't look at money. I look at my talent because I feel like my talent is what's going to create wealth for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And we in Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? We're in the A, the Falcons. Mm-hmm. You know, Dion said, if you if you feel good, you look good. Mm-hmm. If you look good, you play good. If yep. you play good, they pay good. You yeah, feel me? Yeah. They pay good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So Dion said yeah. it best. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I don't get caught up on money. I play good. That's mm-hmm. my thing. Like, yo, E, when you get on that mic, when you do an interview, you do anything, whatever your hand find to do. That's where my faith comes in. It's, yeah. it's, it's the, the playbook is simple. Whatever your hand find to do, 120. We talked about it. Me, you, and Kurt talked about that. Like, you got people who, they not taking it like it's theirs. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? They working at a job, but it ain't. So that's why you're not getting paid. So for me, I don't think about money. I just think, E, how do you stay in the game? How do you Michael Jackson is jump off? Where you dominating the industry, Stevie Wonder. You dominating the industry as a kid. And then you dominate it as a teenager. And then you dominate it as an adult. You know what I'm saying? How right. do you do that? That's, you own your craft. And so for me, it's like, yo, E, if you stay on your craft and you have something to provide, you you, you can bless millions of people with something, you're going to make money. So again, guys, you know, I like to keep it simple because of that GED. If you feel good, you look good. If mm-hmm. you look good, you play good. And if you play good, they pay good. So don't worry about the pay. Yeah. Reverse engineer and find out what you need to do. Now, I'm so grateful, see, that we are in the financial place that we're in because I don't have to deal with some of the stressors that people deal with who are in poverty. So my kids went to school cash. So my wife wasn't stressed out about that. My wife, the car paid for, everything paid for. Mm-hmm. So I don't have that stress. So I get to get up and do what? Focus on what I do. Yeah. I don't have to focus on money. I focus on what I do. So we're able to send kids to school, study abroad. We're able to buy computers. You know, we're able to do things. Hey, and let's just be 100. I don't care who you are. A, a war costs money. It costs money, bro. Uh, weapons cost money. We in a war. You in a war every day. You competing with somebody or something. This is a war. Mm-hmm. So you need the right tools. The Apple product, bro. We in Patchwork Studios. Do you know how much money? You know how much money sitting here right now? It's a lot of money in these speakers and this board. It's one of the best boards in the world. Like this stuff costs money. So you can't perform well if you don't have the right tools. Tools cost. So you got to get the tools. Like, we're not in some somebody janky. Like, when you wanted to do the State of the Union, boy, like, you like, E, this is a big interview. Like, I want this to have a different field in our basement or whatever. We came to patchwork. So mm-hmm. I'm telling you, you have to understand that money is not about just having fun. Money is about getting the tools you need to be the best you could be, and you need to have the money to do that because I don't decide how much an Apple computer costs. I don't decide how much a plane ride costs. They decide. Right. But I better have the money yeah, when, when so, I better have the money for yeah, it. But let me take you, and I always tease you about, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. walking 40 no miles question, one way bro. to school. No question. But So let me take you to a time when you yeah. didn't have money. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Because yeah. there are people listening who yeah. are, and, and we, we don't say broke, yeah. we say financial in a transition. transition. In a transition. Yeah, we in a transition. Yeah. You, you <laughs> taught transition. us to clean up our language yeah. Yeah. And, and speak life. Um, but when you and Didi were on government assistance yeah. and you had a food hey. stamp card, right? <laughs> that was a good time. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And I know that that was a, a different period Absolutely. in life. So how did you, at that time, view money? And how is it different now that, you know, you probably have more money than you ever thought you would have in your life? Like, how are those 
the mindset different because we can sit here on this pedestal and say, hey, yeah. you know, don't worry about the money, worry about the work, don't, you know what I mean? But there Absolutely. was a time when you may have had to borrow some money when the car wasn't running right, yeah. when you had to decide between yeah. food and gas. Yeah. Like, what were those times like? I probably work harder then than I do now. Mm -hmm. Same mindset. Mm -hmm. I probably grind harder because the way I saw it, I was at the Olive Garden. It's never about to happen here. I'm never about to blow up at the Olive Garden. They're not even treating me right. They Forget the money. I'm not even being treated the way I want to be treated. So I was probably going harder where it's not about the money. It's about perfecting my craft. And, and, and not, I didn't want to try to get to the world, but I did want to get to the world of the people that were responsible for me bringing me to a, a, a speaking engagement. Mm -hmm. So I probably was grinding more then. Now, you talk about stressy. My only stress was my girl's stress. I wasn't sitting there stressed out. I knew when Joseph Lowry said, you gonna be, you got something, kid, with my, what we saw in Martin Luther King, I wasn't tripping. I always knew speaking was the only thing that I was ever gonna do that was gonna take me to the promised land. I wasn't gonna play football, basketball. Nothing else was an option but speaking. So I was probably more locked and loaded then. I wasn't the type of dude that thought, well, let me put in 50 hours at work and do my stuff on the side. No, I had. A, I took a job as a bus boy because a bus boy could get me the money that I needed to survive in four hours or less. Because if you were a lead bus boy, you need to be there from the time the shift opened to the time that shift closed. Mm -hmm. So you're talking 12 noon, or 11 when the store opened to about 3, 3.30 is when it, so you're talking four hours. Mm -hmm. So that's why I was a busboy. Then see, I got cash as a busboy. So I was very strategic. I'm getting cash money and I'm getting a, a, a regular check. Cause if you're a waiter, you all tips. When you're a busboy, you get some of the waiter's tips and you get a check. So I had mastered, I had it all figured out in my mind. You only got to work four hours. If you don't, if you can't work for it, my boy Jesse Smith, I would say, Jesse, switch with me. You be the lead bus boy and you let me take your shift. And that was like a two and a half, three hour shift. So I was grinding, speaking, bro, every chance I got, I was teaching or speaking because I knew this was where my bread and butter was. So for those of you who broke and I'm sorry, financial transition, when I say broke, I mean in your mindset, you cannot put 50 hours into something and then put two hours into your passion and think you're going to blow up. Now, if your wife pressing you or your husband pressing you and telling you don't do it and you married, then that's a different story. Y'all got to work that out. But Didi wasn't on, no, you got to work a 40-hour job. Didi was on, we got bills to pay, and I'm going to need you to contribute. Not fully, because she was a registered nurse. I just And she worked at, um, man, I always forget, she going to kill me. Uh, but it was like Golden Corral. It might have been the Golden Corral or uh, maybe it wasn't that. I'll ask her today. But it was one of those type of restaurants that Didi worked at. So she wasn't into that. You got to make millions. She's like, you got to do your part. So I would say for those of you, for real, you know you got a gift. You know what your lane is. Don't focus so much on doing 40 for somebody else. Focus on a way where you can make enough money, but you can also put enough money into your talent because your talent, your gifts. I'm just going back to the playbook. Your gifts shall make room for you. Yeah, you hard on people. Like yes. you, you are very hard yes. on people. I think that's one of your mo's, and I think, it, like, love it or hate it, right? Yeah. Like some people probably can't stand the dog your guts. on top, right? <laughs> some people probably can't stand you, right, as yep. a speaker because yep. you challenge people. Yep. Um, you don't let them feel comfortable yep. in the state. It's not, hey, you're yep. great, you're this. Matter of fact, I was joking the other day because 
you know, I was listening to some audio and you you were talking to people. I, I can't remember in Philly or whatever. And you were like, yeah. man, you're so dumb. You're so yeah. stupid that you don't even realize. Yeah, I was in and Philly. I was like, yeah, wow. I was, I was like, yo, you literally just called an entire audience dumb and stupid. But yet people sitting there and they inspire. Oh, no questions asked. You know, and so I, I'm looking at, you know, you're hard on people. And, and I want to know how how you're able to push people in that particular way yeah. and still maintain that love yeah. and 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 people still feel like man he's my dude they don't feel like who's this jerk trying to yeah. press me but they feel like yo this guy is real he's yeah. sincere he knows me he's pushing me out of my comfort zone like how do you manage that balance yeah that's what you just said your father whip you and he hug you and the world mm-hmm. know i love him because i'm mm-hmm. coming free yeah you have not watched one video yet where I tried to bum you in a seat. Like, you've not watched one video where I'm like, come join this program for $10.99. And there's nothing wrong with that. We live in capitalism, and there's some people out there selling some stuff that will definitely benefit you and take you to the next level. That's not my calling. Mm -hmm. I'm not a salesman. That's not what I was put on this earth to do. I wasn't put on this earth to sell a program. I told you, if there was a lane, and I have nowhere put myself in their category. But if there's a lane that I look up to, is Mother Teresa, is Gandhi, is Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. At no point were any of them master salesmen. Mm-hmm. So that's not what I've been called to do. Yeah. What I've been called to do is make you do the stuff that you say you want to do. And yeah. I cannot get off your butt until you do it. Yeah. And if I say I love you, I don't love you, see, if I'm letting you be average. I don't really love you if I'm allowing you to be comfortable and average. So mm-hmm. if I really love you, like I say I love you, I'm gonna be there for you. I'm in the video, I'm looking you in your face. I'm not trying to take nothing from you. Every time I go to a city, I'm trying to come to your school for free. I'm going to the prison. I'm going to people's homes. I got a kid that I met in Florence, Alabama, I promise you. I gave him my number to his mom. The kid called me once a week. I answer the phone if I'm speaking. I tell him I'm speaking. Look, I'm. everybody's not doing that. So I, I love on you so much. I give myself so much that you know I'm only pushing you because you told me you want to go to the NFL. You told me you want to go to the NBA. You told me you want to be a doctor. You told me you wanted to be a good husband. So what, I'm going to sit there when I see, and that's what I love about Coach Izzo. It's old school, but when you mess up, Coach like, come sit down right now, let's have a conversation. That's not what we practice. That's not what you told me. You told me you wanted to win the national title. We cannot win the national title with you missing assignments. We mm-hmm. cannot win a national title without you communicating, telling somebody, help, backside. You know what I'm saying? Like, we cannot win with you missing free throws. Yeah. We cannot win, again, with you missing assignments. And so if you told me you wanted to go to national title, then I have to make you do the things that, and have the mindset of a champion. And how do I know as Coach Izzo? Because I've been to one. I won one. And so I've been there, see. They know I've been there, homeless, high school dropout. They know I've been there, see. Uh, uh, marriage problems, problems as a parent, uh, disappointed my parents, disappointed myself. I have never been super duper, no mistakes. And they know who I am. They Even know with I'm the them. marriage thing. That might be one of the reasons you wanted to say at the conference, Absolutely. like my wife ain't here because you want to be able to push people. You feel like me? Yeah. So, so I think that's why I give so much, and I'm not gonna take little. I give too much to you, 120 to take your 30 percent and your 40 percent. And the kid called me. See. Side note, disappointed. You can hear it in his voice. Because we made a, a bet. I'll bless you with whatever. He called me hurt. Mr. Thomas, I said, yes, son, what's up? Uh, Mr. Thomas, I got a C in science. And I said, okay, well, what else did you get? Um, Mr. Thomas, remember I told you I was going to get an A uh, in, in English. Mr. Thomas, I got a C. And I said, okay, what else? I got a B in, and I said, oh, okay. What effort did you give me? 
He said, I gave you a C effort, Mr. Thomas. I said, no, no, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Listen to me, young man. I know you disappointed that you didn't reach the goal, but, but tell me what effort you gave. He said, well, Mr. Thomas, to tell you the truth, I gave a B effort, but I gave a B effort too late. By the time I gave that B effort, it was too late for me to get a B. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, let me tell you something. I'm proud of you because mm -hmm. I want effort more than I want grades. Yeah. I want effort because you in the eighth grade. If yeah. you give me the effort, I remember Candace said it. Candace told me, she told a group of kids and she used to tell me all the time, I ain't taking school serious since I was in the ninth grade. She said, it was in the ninth grade that I realized I could get a Bill Gates Millennium Scholarship and I could change my family's life forever. I said, you're not in high school yet. If you learn the effort by the time you get into high school, we're going to be good. So that's all. That's why I'm pushing, see, because mm -hmm. I'm looking at this generation lazy, bums, lazy. And I said it, lazy, soft. Why? Because they want Bugattis. They want a million-dollar house. They don't want to work 40 hours, see? Yeah. This generation don't want to work 40 hours. They want to, they want to do the selfies on the yacht. They want to be, they, I'm talking about 20. I don't think my grandma saw the ocean before she passed. <laughs> and if she did, she probably 50, 60 years old before she saw. My parents didn't go on no cruise when they was 20s. They probably in their 40s, working at Ford, grinding every day. They didn't get no Christmas off, Thanksgiving off, uh, New Year's, five, six days off. They didn't get that. And this generation, that's what they want. And I'm saying, yo, if you want that and you want to live like that, that's how people live when they retire. You want to live like that at 20? Then you go, you're going to need to be putting in 60 hours and fit. And so all I'm doing is pushing them so that they can be and have what they say they want. And you're you right. Sometimes they do take it the wrong way. But what a joy it is when, the, when that little kid call you and say, Mr. Thomas, I'm taking ownership. Yeah. And he, he sent me... Man, let me just, I'm, man, let's see if I, I probably can't find it, see, but I want to show you a picture. I almost came to tears. I came to tears, see, he sent me a picture later on that day with him in church, and his mom said he's a junior deacon. Hmm. And I saw him with his shirt on and his, his black pants on, and he was up there helping with service, and I was like, yo, this kid going to be all right. And, and that's why I push, because before I was pushing him, his mama said he wasn't doing nothing. Father wasn't there for him, I think, whoever... Her, she's married to now, was unfortunately in prison for a while, came out. So I pushed little man because his father wasn't in his life, and I'm going to push him like his father was in his life. And if you mad, that's okay. Why? Because I'm going to love you like my, I love my own son, and I would not let my son not give me 120%. All right, guys, this is your boy interrupting one last time. This segment is brought to you by Organifi. Now, you guys have been hearing us talk about Organifi for months now. We've been rocking with it, using it. This is not something we're just talking about, y'all. We've been rocking with it and using it. My family's using it. And I'm telling you, I feel the difference in my body. And you guys heard Sean talk about it. Look, this, this actually provides the micronutrients. You know, we talk about proteins and carbs and that stuff a lot. But those are macronutrients. Then your body does need them. But what Organifi does is these greens actually provide the micronutrients that you're on a cellular level that your body needs. So it actually makes you feel better, more energetic, you know, and it allows you to get through your day with a lot more energy, guys. So, again, you guys have heard us talk about it. Um, you you want to invest in your health, guys. Without, you know, without your health, you can't enjoy life as it's intended. You know, you could go do whatever, you know, relationships, whatever, but unless you have your health, it's super important. So this is why, man, we rock with Organifi. And we're going to keep rocking with Organifi and we're going to keep telling you guys about it. And of course, for all our Secrets to Success podcast listeners, we got a special deal so you could just try it out for yourself and you just let us know how you feel at the end of this thing. Try it for a week, you know what I mean? A month. Just let us know how you feel at the end of it. And I'm telling you guys, you're going you're gonna to see the difference. But just use that code SUCCESS 
Again, use the code SUCCESS at www.organifi.com, and that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, organifi.com. Promo code SUCCESS to save 20% on your order. In 2018, I, I wonder where you see yourself in the grand scheme of whatever industry this is that we're in. You know what I mean? Like, so if you go on Google and you look up, you know, speakers and you come up near the top, but where do you view yourself in the landscape of it? And do you feel any competition with the, the giants they do something of the industry? Totally, they do something totally different. You know, I would say um, there are a lot of things that I could learn from Tony Robbins. You know what I'm saying? When I look at Tony Robbins and what he's done, not as a speaker, you know, but what he has done to empower people, um, I could learn a lot from him. Um, but but there is no there is nobody doing what we're doing specifically. I mean, grassroot level, there is nobody doing what we're doing. You know, so no, there is no competition. Um, and as a matter of fact, I see it as my role. Inky Johnson is going to be the next phenom. Like he write Inky in my book is the phenom, but we just talk about social media and all of that. I, I want to do my part like Les Brown did for me, but I, I don't, Les, unfortunately, because it took me this time to get here, Les talked to me a couple years ago. I want to be able to help Inky and say, hey, don't, don't, uh-uh. And I want to help the Inkies of the world, the Jeremys, the Jerry. Like, I want to help the next generation of speakers not make some of the same mistakes and, and have the impact that I'm having now a lot faster. You know what I'm saying? Time frame than it took me. Um, and this is my year, man, for real. See, we have changed the world, but it's to an extent, it's been by osmosis. Like, you've had a plan, but I don't know that I have been the leader that you've been. I don't know that I have been as strategic. And this is my year of not only being a shepherd to so many people, but having my own agenda of, yo, we gonna, I'm going to serve more people than I've ever served, and I'm going to use my impact and my influence to do a better job of having a greater impact. Like, it's people I know all over the world, NBA, NFL, corporate people, that I've just kind of like, you know, had this laissez-faire relationship with and this laissez-faire kind of way of doing things. No, I'm going to be very deliberate and intentional in a way I've never been before because kids need jobs, kids need scholarships, you know, kids need... Uh, apprenticeships, you know, and so I'm going to do a much better job of having a strategy and measuring that strategy every week, every month to ensure that by the, by, by the end of 2018, that our impact reaches much further and much deeper than it ever has. What, what is, quantify that for me. Like, what, do you, what does that look like? We're already traveling internationally. We go to Australia. It's mad love there. We go, you know, to these different countries. People know who you are. People are inspired by the message. What does that next level look like? Like, like I said, quantify it. Like, yeah. what is it actually? So, so one of the ways is school days. So, you know, I was in Florence. This is the first time in my life that I've gone to a school district and hit every level. So, so what I did different at the end of last year was I actually did an assembly with the custodial workers. Uh, the administrative assistants, the nursing staff, the principals, the superintendent, all the teachers, the, the coaches, like everybody. That was the first time I ever did that. And I had one succinct message for every last one of them. And that is engagement. We must 
We must create an academic environment where our children not only understand the importance of it, but they come to school and learn to love it. Whatever that takes, of course, we gave strategy, but whatever that takes, let's get it done. Immediately after, see, I'm meeting with the athletes. Why the athletes? Because they are the most influential group of kids in that school and saying, Forget football. As a leaders, I demand that you step up to the plate. And there are certain things that you see and there are certain things you need to do to create a culture. Not about coming to school no more. We need to create a culture of excellence. After I finished with the athletes, I went to the seniors, then the juniors, then the sophomores, then the freshmen. Then after that, I met with the movers and shakers of that city, the billionaires and the millionaires the guys that own the corporations, that run the restaurants, that run the dealerships, and say, listen to me, whether you like the school or not, it's in your community. I need you to do one, two, three. Once that was over, that evening, I met with the parents, had a town hall meeting, and I had a separate meeting with the pastors. You understand what I'm saying? Whereas before, see, I might go to a school and hit the school when I'm out. No, I hit the entire city. And then I came back and we did it again. And in February 8th, I'm doing it one more time. So that's what I mean when I say, oh, I'm sorry. Then I hit the detention centers and sat down and met with those who work with our babies who've fallen off the wagon to get them back where they need to be. So I hit the entire city, see, had lunch with the movers and shakers. Like we sat down. How much money is in this city? How does the money need to be distributed? Who needs the jobs? What do, then I went to the places where job had co-ops and I met the kids who do school half day co-op. At, you understand what I'm saying? So now it's like, okay, I see what Martin Luther King, I see what they were doing before. It wasn't about you just go in and you rah, 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 and you get people pumped up and you give them a couple of lessons and you come out. No, it's you use your influence to be very intentional, and deliberate. So that's one way, see. Sound uh, like uh, community organizing. Uh, I don't and and know that's how uh, President Obama got his start. Oh, well, let's with, not go that far. That's you about to, far. Hold on. You about to, you about to hit you about to hit your fifties shortly. <laughs> yeah. All right, you what, 47? Yes. Um, would you ever consider running for president? I mean, we obviously this, yeah, at this point in my life, it's a no. different political system yeah. in terms of who getting elected yeah. these days. Oh, no questions we got asked. Outside about candidates, that. Oh, no questions you know, asked. making their yeah, way no in. Questions asked. I don't think you. I don't, I don't think you have to take the conventional route anymore. Yeah, no, yeah, right. that's for sure. And so, and so I'm, you know, obviously, and and the reason I say this, and and I know you, we always joke about it, um, but I've never seen, and this is one of the, the things that I admire most about your message. I've never seen a message that could reach a 16-year-old kid in Detroit who's in a gang, and then we go to Australia, and there's a lady who comes to the VIP and says, I'm not even here. I don't care about any of this. I was going through chemotherapy, and I found your videos, and you helped me live. I just want to thank you. A 50-some, 60-some-year-old white female from Australia, and she cites the same exact video that the 16-year-old kid, black kid in the hood who joined the gang, they both say, it was this video that changed my life. And I'm going, what in the world? Like, I look at that and I go, that's got to stand for something. Like, right. in no other world, maybe, will these parallels exist. Like, I don't know if they're watching the same movies. I don't know if they're listening to the same albums. I don't know if they got the same worldviews or political views. Obviously, one lives in Australia. You know what I mean? Like, but yet they could come together over this one five-minute message. And when I look at that, I'm like, yo, with the current administration, 
and people being divisive and we don't want these people and build a wall and you know all of these things that go on and and, and in this climate it's like it, it's this tension i'm like yo who would be better than you to run for president and bring all of these groups that supposedly quote unquote don't rock with each other don't like each other don't trust each other who would have the best messaging to bring these people together? Well, after watching the uh, Golden Globes last night, it looked like Oprah had that uh, right. had that Agreed. message last night. Yep. And uh, I must say, man, I um, Oprah a little older than you though, so yeah. she got you by. So maybe you know she can run. I can run after yeah, her. Right? Man, I don't know. To get her notes right. Yeah, yeah but right. no, I was so inspired, you know, last night by Oprah, and and I and I don't think. Ever, like, ever, I don't think there was a time in history where I felt like there were positive people like a Oprah, you know, who needed to run for president of the United States of America. Like, you see these powerful people, like Sidney Poitier back in the day, like, you see Harry Belafonte, like, back in the day in that struggle, um, yeah. Lena Horne. But you didn't look at them and say they should run for president of the United States of America, right. you know. But I saw Oprah last night and always been impressed you know, with Oprah, uh, Oprah like that auntie you never had, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying, that you look at on TV from afar and be like, she doing it, you know, and you got to love her and rock with her. But yesterday I saw Oprah and just how, man, majestic, you know, and eloquent, you know, and strategic that message was and how inspiring the message was. And I want to do that, but on, on a, not on that level, if you will, you know, um, but I, but I, I, I tell you never, because I feel like politics would take me away from doing what I do. And maybe this is a first. I don't know if I ever told you, but I have to be transparent, you know, because, of course, the creator, you know, will hold you accountable. But I literally had, I don't know if it was a dream, because it's definitely not an aspiration, but maybe it was more out of, it was more out of despair. But I saw myself being the mayor of Detroit or the mayor of Chicago. As I look at what's going on, I'm like, yo, somebody, somebody has to take ownership of of that drama that's going on and it can't be the president of the united states of america because he has he his agenda would be too broad mm -hmm. to deal with something that specific mm -hmm. but i would have i i not love in terms of i want to do the work because i love being in this retirement mode with my wife is you know what i'm saying i love being in this like empty nest boy and just me and my girl traveling the world and enjoying the big bus you know mm -hmm. and in different cities and just mm -hmm. you know traveling the world but I, I looked at the state of Detroit and I looked at the state of Chicago, of course, where I'm born, Detroit primarily raised. And I said to myself, I would love to take leadership, not necessarily be a political person, but I would love to get in that trouble and help bring a solution, especially going to Michigan State, you know, master's, PhD there in education. And most people don't know the College of Ed has been number one in the world for multiple years. And one of the things that they've taught us is we, we are taking you through this program to be able to go to a place where there is a problem and create a solution. Who will? Spartans will. Mm -hmm. And as a part of, of that mantra, I have seen myself in places like Chicago and Detroit and bringing about change because I don't think these kids are lost. I just think that we don't have the right leadership in place to help turn some of those things around. And I could be naive, but... Yeah, well, I mean, you've already been doing that, though. Yeah. You, so, what, but not, what do you but mean? But not, but not, it, you know, not intentional and deliberate. See, it hasn't necessarily been strategic. You know, it's been, you know, through our, our mixtapes, it's been through our kind of, you know, uh, I would say more, what is it, covert? You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, I'm, well, I'm saying. So, if, 
I guess and the only reason I'm asking is because we've been to the juvenile facilities, yeah. we've been to the high schools, you volunteer at all these places already. So I'm asking you. But I've never led. And when I was in Florence, mm -hmm. I literally led mm -hmm. the superintendent. We sat down. Look, this is what, show me the problem. These are the steps I think you right. need to take. Met with the principals on each level. These are mm -hmm. the things I need you to do. And now they're utilizing our curriculum, see? Mm -hmm. And we don't talk about that kind of stuff, but the curriculum that we've come up with, and, and, I, and the principal, I think it's Sheila Jackson, uh, she's influenced. She literally has one of our documents. When you come to her office, instead of getting in trouble, you fill out this doc. And I'm thinking like, yo, when I was a kid in Catholic school, you get in trouble, you got to write the encyclopedia. Like it wasn't a yeah. document yeah. that would transform your life. And I'm yeah. like, yo, instead of you getting kicked out and you going into um, detention, now you have to use our workbook and yeah. work through our workbook. And kids are changing. Right. So that's what I mean. See, a little, yeah. uh, uh, not just the message, but the curriculum, you know, and, and, and some of our written documents and some of our leadership, empower them with that so they can bring about change. You mentioned that we don't, like, talk about Yeah, we don't talk about that kind of stuff, stuff. Yeah. But, you know, it's crazy. Like, we live in the social media era. Right. And it's funny because you see people, like, they put that kind of stuff out and people go, oh, why are you trying to, you're just doing it to be, you know, for the gram or right. you doing it to try to look sweet yeah. on social media. Do it for the Vine. What right. happened to the Vine? Well, the Vine got, I think, the Vine? Vine. I think Facebook. We were doing it for the Vine yeah. and not Vine. Let's go. Right. I hate this generation. So, so I guess where I'm, what I'm trying to say is you, you got, you know, celebrities or people who yeah. do these things, yeah. the charity works and yeah. they show it on yeah. there and people are like, oh, you just trying to yeah. big time and yeah. show, you don't really care. And then when you don't show it, you get people on your gram like, oh, you don't do nothing for the community. Yeah. Like, I don't know, you don't come from that generation. Yeah. You do so much. You're so charitable. I mean, the amount of money you've given, the amount of time you give. I mean, you go into a city where you may have two corporate engagements and then, you know, you, you're running from nine to like six and then you'll go to like a youth center like 630. You know what I mean? And like, we don't show a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think people understand that you are philanthropic, but how do you find that balance between letting people know what their civic duty is and showing the, the, the fact that you're doing you that civic duty? We wouldn't be here, man. We wouldn't be here. You know what I'm saying? Like, you look at Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, you know, um, Marcus Garvey, you know, Sojourner Truth, like Harriet Tubman, like uh, Megger Evers, like all these, in, all these individuals work so hard, and then there were those whose names I don't know you know, right. who who risked their lives and weren't even minorities mm -hmm. for it. So, bro, people put in too much for us not to give back. Like, society doesn't work when people just take, take, take. It doesn't work like that. And then think of all the people now that's blowing us up. Like, all the people that are giants in their industry who are allowing us their platform and, and creating this your excellence, my excellence together. Bro, we owe it to, we owe it to the people who have been a blessing to us to be a blessing. I'm looking at Josh Letzitz. There's a young lady at my church who didn't have a vehicle. He is a part owner or runs the John Elway dealership. Bro, he just sent her a car. Yeah. Sent her a sweet Malibu. Yeah. I was thinking like, yo, bro, let me get this. And you, you know what I'm saying? You sent her something else. I'm yeah. like, how much? He like nothing, but pay to get it shipped. 450. Yeah. So then it got shipped. I was like, where do I pay the 450? He's like, I tell, I have somebody tell you. I'm like, Josh, that was a month or two ago. When are you going? So we have so many good people looking out for us. Yeah. It's just got to be a cycle where we got to keep giving and keep giving and yeah. keep giving and not taking. And we growing up in a generation where, for real, everybody wants, 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 wants. And when I grew up, my grandma was like, look, you get a, you got, I will bake you a cake. This generation, you're getting three, four cake. My grandma said, I will bake you a cake for your birthday. 
You cut the first slice and the rest going to the community, bro. Mm. You don't get to get the whole, they got the whole cake now. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like they get it all. We didn't grow up in, 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 that, in that time frame and maybe yeah. we didn't have as much. So maybe we weren't on that. And so for me, it's like, yo, I come up in a community where we're, I'm only here off the backs of others. And so mm. I got to keep doing it. Oprah said something so deep. She said when she watched Sydney Portier, and y'all got to watch it, win the, um, the, uh, the award. He was the first, well, I don't know if it was a, it was an Oscar the first or the mm. uh, Golden Globe. I'm not sure which one he got first, but she was like, she was eight years old, sitting in the living room in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and saying, I've never seen an African-American male celebrated like that before. Mm -hmm. And so she said, as powerful as that moment was, now I reflect on the fact that there's another eight-year-old girl watching the Golden Globes mm. tonight, and she's watching mm. Oprah Winfrey win it, and she's getting the same inspiration from me that I got from him. That's reciprocity. Mm. That's reciprocity at its finest. Yeah. That Oprah understands this moment is not about just yeah. me. This moment is about everybody mm. who should have won that didn't win and who won, who opened the doors for us and all the stuff they had to go through back then. So it's all about reciprocity. As long as we continue to be a blessing to each other, we never have to worry about having, man. Yeah, a few more things and we'll get out of here. Right. One, um, what's your... And I and I actually don't know. Right. What is your proudest achievement? And don't don't go too grand for me. Just yeah. like oh, you know, being able to whatever, like the the world and like like actual like on paper. Like what has been your was it, uh, your proudest achievement of, of what you've achieved in me your career? Or you mean I can't say like no you my son graduating. You mean me? Yeah, you like like in terms of an award or being on a TV show or like just professionally. Professionally, like what's, the, what's the... Having grown men cry and say they, they, they have changed their ways because of my example. And grown men don't change easy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> grown men have a way of doing stuff and yeah. they stick to their guns. They mm -hmm. not own that. You understand what I'm saying? So when a grown man comes to me at the airport and he drops a tear and says, yo, bro, I don't do this. You feel me? Like, I don't do this, bro. But I have to be honest with you. I was about to lose my marriage. Mm -hmm. And I started ironing my wife's clothes. I started serving her. I started cooking food. I changed my, my mentality. I started texting her and telling her how beautiful she was. I just want to say thank you. That, to me, has been the greatest achievement of my life. Because I don't come from a generation where men said they were sorry. They went to work and handled their business, but they weren't walking around talking about they sorry and they about to change. Even if they changed... My favorite character was the Fonz when I was a kid. And the, the Fonz would do something. Fonz was like, I'm s s s I'm s s s He was like, what? Go ahead and say, I'm s s s You what? I'm s s s He could never say he was sorry. Right. You know, and he was the Fonz. Right. He was the man. He could do it all. But he had a problem saying, I'm sorry. And that was indicative of that culture. Men did not change. And so for us to see a man change it, and for him to acknowledge it, that to me, man, has been my greatest uh, greatest accomplishment. Yeah. Last question. So, you have, you know, you, you talk a lot about, you know, speaking life and yeah. manifesting things. You know what I'm saying? And for us, like, yo, you told me when I was young, 22, 23, like, yo, you're gonna be the president of this company. We always laugh because, at the time, we didn't even have a company when you made me president. Mm -hmm. You know, it, we literally had nothing. It was just like a, a, a group of people and we had a big ceremony in the Embassy Suites Hotel. Mm -hmm. And you like gave me like a t-shirt, like an old t-shirt, old Break the Cycle t-shirt. And you told me like, yo, this is where we're eventually gonna be. You're, you're the president. And I know it don't look like anything now, but you know, 10 years from now, 
it'll look like this. And lo and behold, it did. So I'm asking you, as our leader, um, ETA, BU, our community, um, you know, the people listening to this, you know, thing, in 10 years, where will we be from now having this conversation in terms of, you know, the grand scheme? Uh, we'll be the Walt Disney of, de uh, of development. You know, we'll be the Walt Disney of professional development, uh, spiritual development, you know, of transformation. Mm -hmm. There'll be this campus that you walk on, mm -hmm. and in that campus, you'll have the greatest thought leaders, you'll have the greatest educators, you know, you'll have the greatest coaches of the world that when the student is ready, you know what I'm saying, a teacher will come and you'll come to this, I don't know what you call it, this campus, you know, um, you know, the, this, this land, you know, and you'll come and you'll learn the things that you need to learn. We'll train teachers and principals and other leaders across the world, you know. Um, so that's where we'll be in another 10 years. Not, yeah. not going to places anymore, but more specifically having a society, if you will, of people all over the world who other people can come and learn from. Last, last, last question. You talk, and since I've met you, you always talked about Gandhi and Mother Teresa yeah. and Martin Luther King and you know, Malcolm X. Yeah. How important is your own personal legacy? And as you near 50, mm -hmm. right? Um, I, I don't know if you ever think about death. Always, or, every or, day. Right, or, or <laughs> what day. it would be, yeah. you know, your legacy, but uh -huh. do you care if, like, you got textbooks, you know, where Martin Luther King, you got to go through the civil rights movement, uh -huh. you got to talk about Mother Teresa, you got to talk about Gandhi. Is that present for you that you want to work? We, we talk about the Nobel Peace Prize being, an, you know, an ultimate achievement for you. Do you, do you think about your legacy in those terms? Like, you know, Trey is, you know, four years old, you know, he's going to outlive both of us. Mm -hmm. Do you want him to be able to set, like, how much do you think about him saying, like, yo, that was my godfather? Like, you know, in the same way Absolutely. somebody would take pride now being like, yo, Martin Luther King was my goddad. Like, right. do you think about that part of your legacy yet, or is it too soon? I don't know, I do, but let me say this. You, what you guys have created is that you have created that legacy already. You can't go on social media. Like, this is a social media era, and you guys have made it in such that you can't go online without it. You know what I'm saying? Like... There's nobody in the world who is competitive. If you're in sports or you whatever, there's no way possible you are not being influenced by either the work that you put out with the mixtapes, with the stuff that's online. There's no way you can be online and not and, and care about personal development and motivation and not get it. So you guys have blessed me in that I'm able to live while my legacy is being developed. A lot of those individuals that we speak of, they they had to die before people could appreciate their work. Mm -hmm. The way you guys have designed it, people are, the legacy is being created every single day. You have radio stations, I'm in Atlanta. <laughs> They're playing the stuff in the morning. So mm -hmm. you guys have, I can't go in the mall without people, like you said, knowing who I am. So you guys have created that legacy for me. It's my job to preserve it. Yeah, That's my job yeah. to make sure that when, from now until the time I die, I don't taint that legacy. Yeah, and I, uh, on behalf of everybody, just want to say thanks, man. I know you my big brother, my mentor, you know, family. And I tell people all the time, people are like, yo, how do you? And I'm like, yo, I still, I'm in awe. You know what I'm saying? Like what you've been able to accomplish. And so on behalf of myself, all the supporters, uh, man, thank you for the work you do. Thank you for the example you set. 
I'm there to watch it every day. I know what the discipline looks like. And there's times when, you know, even now people think, oh, you guys made it. Yo, there's times when I feel stress or I feel pressure. And I want to thank you for continuing to be so solid and be that example, not only for me, but for the world, because there's enough, you know, clowns in this world. You know what I mean? Like, I mean that to my heart. It's enough clowns in this world on social media and you see them and you know it's not genuine and you peel back the curtain and it's just a dude with a microphone looking like the wizard, you know, but for you, man, you've been able to stay so solid. You haven't let money change anything. You haven't let the fame or the success or the celebrity or any of those things change, man. And I continue for to thank you for being a rock for not only me, for my family and everybody listening. So yeah, that's so, the, yeah, let me the, say the this, state though. of the union. Yeah, let me say this, though. I, for those of you who are listening, as we close, I honor you for being selfless. You know, there are a lot of people who would compete, a lot of people who would try to you know, find their place in this thing, but you have sacrificed your career. You know, you've sacrificed so many job opportunities. You sacrificed probably what you thought was life to to be with this fanatical freak dude, you know, and may God honor you for that and bless you and your family a hundredfold. Love you to life. And I pray, man, we got another 50 years, you know, to dominate this lane, bro. Love you, man. All right, love you, man. All right. Don't you worry about when you get home. You make this, you concentrate on this opportunity. You don't worry about tomorrow. You concentrate on this opportunity with all your might, with all your soul.